This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. <clears throat> a quick update on my foot, <laughs> which I mentioned last week. It still hurts, although at the moment, it's not too bad. And I'm just a week away, next Friday, or this coming Friday, I go see the podiatrist and we see what I need to do to take care of this foot. And it's, oh, my t- I'm telling you, I'm almost, I was almost thinking of getting a cane <laughs> to help me walk around or to at least get started once you're sitting down for a while uh, when i'm sitting at home and i'm getting up out of the couch and i start to walk oh it's those first couple of steps oof oof but once you walk around for a bit or once i walk around for a bit uh it gets it improves and i don't hobble quite as much but right now it's not so angry uh i do have a day ahead of me i'm at the base i'm in the basement of nostalgia zone where i record this show i haven't done an ad for nostalgia zone in a while say hey do you collect comic books are you into old comic books like silver age bronze age modern age maybe even some golden age as well but if you're into that go to nostalgiazone.com it's a website that that reflects this uh the stuff that's in this in this store you can sign up for a membership it's free you save 10 percent on purchases you earn 10 percent on every purchase that you make you know toward you know toward future purchases that is if you know you're buying stuff off the catalog you know if you're in the store and you're buying some knickknack thing that we have hanging around well you, that doesn't earn you points but if you're buying comic books or magazines that are within our catalog that's in our online catalog that's in there you will earn points okay and we're just uh, we specialize in back issues we don't carry the new comic books although we have newer comic books here uh, that's our modern catalog stuff so Check us out, Nostalgia Zone. I do the show in the deep in the bowels of the of the shop uh, because it's a place where I can record and not have the dog start barking at me. Because you, you don't want to deal with that, do you? I don't have a place in the house where I can hide. So I can do this here. Okay. <clears throat> Last week, I was talking about... Uh, part of the show, I talked about the film The Poseidon Adventure, which came out in 1972, and it was part of those uh, slew of 70s films that all centered on some kind of disaster and how the uh, people affected by the disaster, what they do in order to survive. And and there's there's just a whole bunch of them. It, start, it started with a film called Airport, which had a, a oh I hit the computer sorry about that had a bomb in the plane you know blew up and how to deal with that uh, 
and then you know then it started to more formulate into this idea of uh, we meet the the people uh, I mean it did in airport but it was really began to have this formula where we meet the people that are the principal characters that we were going to be following sometimes they have some sort of conflict with each other that uh, needs to be resolved and after the disaster the conflict doesn't seem to be that big of a deal because they've just survived this thing there's that element to it uh it's a diverse bunch of people usually just white though and <laughs> it was you know you know we're not a perfect society are we uh anyway and so the poseidon adventure was uh, uh like the second of these disaster type movies it was produced by Irwin Allen, and um, I'm not going to cover all the same ground that I covered on last week's show about it, but I mentioned in my talk, I did say that my favorite of these movies is The Towering Inferno. I know I've talked about The Towering Inferno on this show before, so I'll try not to ram through or, or talk about the same stuff I talked about there, but uh, just go a little different, because I, I thought, I, I was going to last week mention why I prefer the Towering Inferno to the Poseidon Adventure, uh, which I liked Poseidon Adventure. I like that film. It's just not my favorite. My favorite of these disaster films is the Towering Inferno, and I thought, well, let's explore that. Let's do that on this show. Uh, you know, I, if this is going to be a special, expanded, four-hour show in which I will really dig deep into what... No, it's not going to be that long. It's going to be a normal show. And just this first segment of, the, of it is going to be about the compare and contrast thing with uh, Poseidon Adventure and Towering Inferno. Uh, uh, as I said, the Poseidon Adventure came out in 1972. Towering Inferno came out in 1974. So it's around the same era. It's not all that different two years later. It's not all that different. But I, I, as I was thinking about uh, these two movies, I was thinking there's a, there's, there's a difference in feel of the two movies. Even though it's a, basically the same kind of idea, some disaster takes place and the principal characters that we follow through the film are trying to find a way to survive it. You know, it's a, basically the same idea. But there are differences in these films. Uh, I did mention that uh, the Poseidon Adventure, the lead character, played by Gene Hackman, is a preacher. So there's a lot more God presence in the Poseidon Adventure. There's a lot more of that. You know, the, the preacher starts yelling at God for you know for killing these people, these beautiful people, you know, and, and that that are part of his group. I don't know if he's yelling at them for killing all the rest of the people in uh, on the on the ship, but yeah. But there's a lot of God stuff in it. So that, that you know, as an atheist, that sort of makes me go, eh, okay, yeah. But that's, that's fine. Because it's, I live in the world, right? And the world is inflicted by this thing called religion. <laughs> there must be an evolutionary benefit to it. It's group cohesion, that kind of thing. To feel like you're part of a community, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's, that's important. And that's what religion does help provide, something like that. And it's, you know, it, there's that. And it helps to assuage your fear of what happens to you when you die. Well, I get to go to heaven and it's going to be great. You know, it's going to be great. This is just the rehearsal. You know, the real existence is heaven. I don't, I don't buy that. But that's that's me. I'm an atheist. What am I? What are you gonna do? So, um, I thought, 
you know, one of the comparisons between these two films that can be made is if we if we if we do the um, uh, it's what city does each film feel like? Hopefully this will make sense. Uh, I've talked about this before. There was a, a time period in, in films, uh, late 60s into the 70s, when whenever New York City was the, was the setting, those films all seemed to have a, 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 a... They were grittier, they were dirtier, dingier. Uh, there was just... They were darker. There was just something about the feel of those films. They were more raw... There was just something that it, about that. So, if if of these two films, if one was to compare it to a city, uh, the Poseidon Adventure would be New York City, while the Towering Inferno would be Hollywood. Uh, it, this both of these films came out just after the end of the studio system, or just as the studio system was, com, you know, com, had com, collapsed. They came out during the period of the auteur director, where the director was almost uh, uh, the biggest star of the movie, uh, 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 you know, let alone you know the people in the movie, and that like the director was the star, uh, or it sort of had that going. It was the people like. Scorsese and and Francis Ford Coppola and you know George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were starting to take, be the stars. They were the auteurs. It was their vision and it was their thing, right? So, so that these movies came out in that same period. So of the two, the one that feels more like that, even though the director of the movie, which I didn't even look up who directed it, you know, Irwin Allen was the producer. Everybody just says Irwin Allen when they look at these movies. Um. The feel of the Poseidon Adventure has more of that director-driven, if that makes sense. It has more of that feel, whereas the Towering Inferno feels more like the studio system. It's glamorous. It's more the the glitterati in that movie are more glamorous than the glitterati of of the of the Poseidon Adventure. Now the Poseidon Adventure takes place on New Year's Eve, so there's plenty of people wearing tuxedos and evening gowns and looking all glamorous, but there's something about the environment that's less that you know is it the paneling on the walls? <laughs> you know, is it that? If there's something that makes it look more uh, regular and less glamorous. Whereas the Towering Inferno has a, more of a glamorous feel to it, even though there's a lot of brown and orange in some of those deals. I mean, because it is the 70s. So it, 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 it just feels more glitzy than the, than the, the Poseidon Adventure. Uh, the, the other thing is um, the actors in the film. Now, I'm just, I'm just going to talk about the two lead characters in each film. There's two lead characters that drive the plot. <clears throat> once the once the disaster is taking place, in particular, in particular, but they do drive the plot uh, throughout the film. And so in the Poseidon Adventure, we've got Gene Hackman as the preacher, and we have Ernest Borgnine as the cop. Um, and and again, and not these. I'm not just saying that Gene Hackman's not a good-looking guy. He is, but he's kind of the you know regular good-looking guy. The guy that's that, that you live next door to. The guy that works at the hardware store. The guy, you know, he's just he's a regular good-looking guy. He's not he's he's he, he's not a glamorous good-looking guy. And Ernest Borgnine, well, he's an everyman. 
he's what the rest of us look like. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You know, I you know, I don't know. It's he's just a guy, right? So there's the, the there's the there's no real glitz or glamour with these two guys. But you got the Poseidon Adventure, or not the Poseidon Adventure. You got the Towering Inferno, and you've got the Roman god that was that was Paul Newman. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's I mean, Paul Newman. I mean, it's, it's such a good-looking man. <laughs> I mean, he's got those blue eyes, that that crystal pale blue eyes, that just are uh, uh, insane. Who has eyes like that? Well, Paul Newman does, and so does his co-star in that movie, Steve uh, Steve McQueen. Now, Steve McQueen may not be a Roman god handsome, but he's he's that he's perfect as the police chief, uh, the fire chief in the film. He's perfect as that because you get that feel like he's got the experience and he knows what he's doing. He's cool. I mean, that's the thing about uh, Steve McQueen. He was cool. So it's, Newman was cool too, but but you know. McQueen just exuded this cool uh, about him, especially for the you know that that time period. Maybe we look back at him now, we don't feel the cool that as intensely as we did at at the time, as audiences did at the time. But but he's cool, right? And he's when he comes on the into the film, which is like forty five minutes into it, is when he shows up. He just takes over, and 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 he's he's the man in charge. I mean, he outranks everybody. Yeah, there's a point in the film in which he's telling the guy who's uh, who who built the the the, the tower, uh, played by William Holden, who in his time was quite the handsome man as well. Still pretty good looking in that movie, but I mean, when he was younger, I mean, come on. Anyway, so <laughs> um, <clears throat> there's a point in that film in which uh, the, the 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 fire chief goes up to the promenade room, the the the, the ballroom where this this big gala opening of the tower is taking place. And he comes in and he meets with this, this this the builder guy and he says, "Okay, everybody here has to go down below the fire. We have to get everybody down here, down below the fire." And 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 the and the, the builder guy says, "Oh, come on! You don't know what's going on here. You know you don't know how great this building is and all that." And he says, "Look, I, you know, yeah, no, no, I'm, you're getting down below the fire. That's what you're doing." And he says, "No." I don't want to pull, pull rank on you here, but you know I've got a senator and I've got the mayor and I've got that. And then McQueen just says, "I'm the you know." On a fire, I'm the highest authority. You know, words to that effect. This is nobody outranks me. So you, you, I said, I'll tell them, or you can do it. You can tell them. I prefer you to tell them, but you know, because he doesn't want to panic them. And he even took off all his uh, his raincoat stuff. You know, the the firefighter. So he just comes in wearing his short sleeve shirt, you know, uh, button up shirt, looking professional. But he, he, you know, he doesn't he doesn't want to panic people by looking like a firefighter. With the helmet on and all that stuff, especially with an oxygen tank on his back, so he takes all that off, and, and so that's I mean, but but McQueen is perfect for that, to play that part because he just has the, he just exudes that authority, so that's great. So so you got two regular guys in the Poseidon Adventure, Hackman and and Borgnine. They're regular guys, and then you have two. I don't know if Adonis or Adonis, I don't know how you say it, is quite the right word <laughs> for both, of uh, for Paul Newman and, and Steve McQueen. But you have those guys. You have Hollywood people. That's, so that's the Towering Inferno is more Hollywood. That's, that's that feel. It doesn't have that gritty, 
New York feel, it feels like Hollywood, even though it's based in, the film is based in San Francisco. That's, that's the location of the film is in San Francisco. And on the Poseidon Adventure, the, the ship that they're on, the Poseidon, is, it, it, it's leaving New York and it's heading toward Athens. But, so it's out to, you know, it's out to sea. So it's not really anywhere. But again, it's the New York film, whereas The Towering Inferno is the Hollywood film. Uh, and then something I noticed, and I mentioned this uh, last week, Poseidon Adventure. Um, there's a lot of shouting in Poseidon Adventure. There's a lot of arguing between the two lead characters. They argue and argue. Uh, the cop is constantly pushing back on the preacher throughout the, throughout the whole surviving the disaster part of it. Always pushing back. But he always, he nearly always acquiesces to the preacher. He, 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 makes, he voices his objection at the top of his lungs, and the preacher shouts him down, and they say, okay, well, I'll do it your way. You know, it's a, that's sort of the reaction every time. And there's a point at which the film even calls it out. They have one of the characters, the, one, the fellow played by uh, uh, Red Buttons, says at some point to the two of them, you know, this would be a whole lot less stressful if the two of you guys would stop yelling at each other. That's not the exact quote, but close enough. So, so the film is aware of it, but that's that's something going on. And I have a thought as to why that's the dynamic in that film, where it isn't the dynamic in The Towering Inferno. In The Towering Inferno, you have the, the architect... That's played by uh, uh, by Newman. He's the guy who's designed the movie, or the movie, the, the the tower. He's designed it. He's got all the you know. If if the builder and the builder's son-in-law had followed the specs that the architect had laid out for the building, it would have been fine. We wouldn't have had a movie. <laughs> there would be no fire. If there was, if there would have been a fire, it would the building would have taken care of it itself. But because a bunch of corners were cut and all that kind of stuff, you know, to save money and to get some kickbacks and stuff like that, which is all suggested in the film, the tower was not built to the specs that the architect put it at. Right. So there's, but there's no conflict between the architect and the fire chief through the film. They're not arguing with each other the whole time they're working together. When they do work together, they're not arguing with each other. They're not they're not yelling. They're not there's no shouting going on between the two of them. The architect listens to the fire chief. The fire chief knows what he's doing, he's fighting the fire, and the fire chief listens to the architect when he needs to find out information about the building because the architect knows about this stuff. There's a cooperation between the two of them. Uh, they're not always in the film together, but when they are, you don't have this, well, I want to do it this way. What makes you think that this is the way to do it? And yell, 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 yell. It's, this is what we're doing. All right, how do I do that? Here's how you do it, and let's go. You know, it's just, it, it's that. It's a cooperation that's, for me, more enjoyable to watch. I know you need conflict in films in order for it to be interesting, right? But not always, Right? And so there's a point at which, at the beginning uh, uh, of their association, the architect and the, and the fire chief, where the fire chief makes some kind of derogatory comment about architects and how they keep building these things taller and taller. And they know that they can't, you know, we, we can't fight a fire over whatever floor it is. You know it, but you guys just keep building these buildings. You keep designing them. Down, and you give, he gets on them. And then Newman, as the architect, says, hey, are you here to fight the fire or fight me? 
and that was like and it quelled everything it went from from that point it says okay i said my piece you said your piece let's let's get to work you know and, and that's what it was after that um so there was a bit of conflict there but not not the way it was in in the poseidon adventure and i think that it's kind of smart right and these are not top tier movies they're not, you know, they're just they're just entertainment. But I think there's a smartness in the way they handled the uh, um, the in the Poseidon Adventure. There's a smartness in the script in that these people do not know what they're doing. They don't know about the ship. They have a kid there who's learned a whole bunch of stuff about the ship. He's gotten all kinds of information because he would, you know, there's a, one of the crew members took took the kid under his wing and said, "Here, this was this. Here's, I'll take you down to the engine room. I'll show you this. I'll tell you all this information about the ship." So the kid has a lot of information. There was somebody who did work with the crew, was a member of the crew, who helped him out to a certain point. He's played by. Uh, uh, Roddy McDowell, but then he's killed off once his usefulness is really, once he's done what he needs to do, they just kill him off. And then, so then we got these people that don't know what they're doing, and as I said last week, they're only following the conviction of the, of the preacher because he believes that heading to the stern and not the bow is the way to do it, because he believes the bow to be underwater. Now, as I said in my pedantic moment about the movie, they should be able to tell if the if the bow is underwater, because there would be a slope to it. If you're heading toward the stern, you'd be going uphill. If you're heading toward the bow, you'd be going downhill. And you're like, is that a good idea? Going downhill? Wouldn't that mean we're going under the water? Don't we want to go up where we at least have a chance to be going up above the water? Don't we want that? <laughs> so, so the, But they don't address that. It's just he believes they're doing the right thing, going the right way, and it's his, it's, it's his power of conviction that keeps the group following him. Even the cop who you know, pushes back constantly and argues with him, still acquiesces and follows along. So they don't know what they're doing, and that's why they're arguing and shouting and so stressed. Whereas in in the Towering Inferno, the two lead characters, they know what they're doing. Uh, the, the, the 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 architect knows of a way to to get this this scenic elevator to go down uh, he, he just he knows what you know what to do with the uh, uh, with the equipment to what wires to cut and what you know switches to turn to just just do a slow dropping of that elevator down to the to the ground and it could get a dozen people out that way uh, it's just gonna be one time they won't be able to get the elevator back but they'll just send down a dozen people now they make a mistake by because this is just after they tried to get the helicopter on the roof and pick up people but the people got the they the brought up women of course go first you know <laughs> women first <clears throat> anyway so they send them up and, and a couple of them get a little too crazy and they run off after it and they get killed and it's you know i don't know if i would have had the same group go in that elevator but that's what he said yeah the, the ones that were up on the roof with us they get to be the first ones to go on the elevator with us I don't know. I guess the ones that uh, broke protocol, as it were, didn't listen to the to what he told them. Just stay put and wait till the helicopter lands, and then go and get on it. No, they you know they screwed things up. I guess they were dead, so they wouldn't be there. So anyway, so they picked they picked a group of people to go on that elevator and head down. And there's some adventures with the uh, with the elevator or misadventures with the elevator. I won't spoil it, but <laughs> somebody dies. <clears throat> and that's another thing. Oh, which I'll get to. But he knows what to do. He's the architect. He knows what to do there. He knows his way around. He knows how to climb through certain areas, and he has an expertise. And then, of course, the fire chief knows how to fight a fire. 
and those and again it's it, there's there's there is there's the they're, they're professionals they know what they're doing so it's not a bunch of conflict it's sort of like and i've heard other people uh, mention this about uh, star trek the next generation in particular but the star trek series is 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 that the people that we follow are professionals they know what they're doing in the, at their jobs and we watch them be good at their jobs to solve solutions you know solve problems i should say to come up with solutions for problems you don't solve a solution <laughs> you solve a problem so they they use their professionalism and you just watch them do what they do to figure this stuff out and that's what is happening in towering inferno whereas in the poseidon adventure we're watching a bunch of people who don't know what they're doing and just uh they're just they're just pulling it out of their asses as to which way they should go how what they need to do and all that so uh i i think that's the main thing which makes me prefer the towering inferno to the uh, uh, poseidon adventure because it's less argumentative less shouting and it's more of a cooperation um in that although it's you know it's although the poseidon adventure is i think more realistic in its depiction of people they're more real people than i mean come on <laughs> you know I, I, but steve mcqueen also has those cri pale crystal blue eyes yeah, it's just, you know, you can just lose yourself in their eyes, and it's just, uh, you know. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> I think you should check out both movies if you haven't ever seen them. They're great. Uh, I'm going to go to a break and uh, try to figure out what I'm going to talk about at uh, uh, this next part of the show. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Infant Simmons. I shall return. that beats all the competition and we'll prove it as soon as we hear any competition you're listening to z-talk radio network don't just take my word for it but you are listening to dimland radio on z-talk radio network do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Valtor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z Talk Radio. The rusty stream of dawn completes the scenes where cars once crawled. And welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. Sports. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. You just, there's, oh, you're heading for that move ahead 15 seconds, aren't you? Um, <clears throat> sorry, but I'll try to keep this quick. 
last week, I talked about the crazy win that the Vikings pulled off against the Buffalo Bills. Minnesota Vikings, that's the team I've been following since 1977. Um, they have a way of getting you uh, thinking that something good might happen, and then they pull the rug out from under you. <laughs> so they had this impossible, crazy win against the Bills. It just, it was crazy. You know, a little bit of luck, some breaks went their way, some breaks went against them, but they hung in and they won this game and over time it was crazy. So what then happened? Well, since we talked last week, well, I talked, you listened. Since we, that happened, the Vikings have played two games. That's right, they played the game on Sunday and then they played another game on Thursday, which was the Thanksgiving game, which the new for years and years there were two games played on Thanksgiving. Uh, one game uh, every each year involved uh, one game involved the uh, Detroit Tigers, and the other game involved the uh, Dallas Cowboys, and that was the way it was for years and years and years. Right, so you would get either one of those teams. They wouldn't play each other, of course, because they wanted two games for the day. And the, the recently they added. A night game, which uh, I believe has the Patriots as the as the team that's in that every year. So you got the Dallas Cowboys, the Detroit Tigers, and the uh, New England Patriots being the the teams that play every Thanksgiving, and you know who they play uh, changes each year. Well, <clears throat> this year the uh, Patriots played the Vikings, so it was the night game. And, okay, before that, though, there was that Sunday. That was the Sunday after the crazy win, the crazy game, unbelievable. And it, it's like, is this team some, I mean, they're different. They're scrappy. They don't give up. They just, they, they may not overwhelm. They, they win the close games. The season before, they lost the close games. Now they're winning the close, the close games. But So what did they do? The next Sunday, they played the uh, Dallas Cowboys here in, in in Minneapolis and got their asses kicked. The Cowboys came in and beat them forty to three. It was just the it was just it was it was horrible. <laughs> and it was it was and I called it the classic uh, um, the classic post big win letdown. For the Vikings, it's just—it's that's what they do. They had a big win, then the next game there's the letdown. The next game, it, they have a big loss, or they—you know—it's just—that's it, that's how it goes. It seems like. It's—it's. It's, I don't have any empirical evidence to back me up there. It's just a seems like thing. And then again, with sports, I get more emotional and less rational when it comes to sports. Sorry, just do. So they, yeah, it, it was just, they laid an egg. It was horrible. So then they had another game four days later playing the uh, New England Patriots, who may not be the be the best, it may not be what they used to be with Tom Brady as their as their quarterback, but they still have Bill Belichick as their coach, and he's a damn good coach, probably the best coach that's ever coached in the game of football, American football, that is. And he's, you know, so I thought, mm hmm, this is going to be interesting. And I couldn't. There's just something. There was just something about watching it. it I just. Ugh, it, it, it was just getting very frustrating watching the Vikings not win the game, but they ended up winning. I turned away. 
I said, okay, I'm going to watch something else. I just can't. I, I just don't want to deal with this right now. You know, so I watched something else, and I would keep tabs on the score. I'd look, I'd just get on my phone and look at the Google and, and check the score, and then at the end, I'll be damned. They won. <laughs> I don't. So what are what kind? And it was it was that it was again it was that scrappy, come from behind, just you know just dig it out and win. Don't know how. Don't know what this means. Uh, it does. It doesn't mean I'm jumping on the bandwagon for the Minnesota Vikings. I will not jump on that bandwagon until two weeks after they win a Super Bowl. That's what it has to be. It has. To, I just. I just. I'm not going to believe it until they've won a Super Bowl. They haven't done it yet. I'm gonna. I'm gonna enjoy the games. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna hope they do well. But I just. Oh gosh, darn it. And speaking of soccer. <laughs> So I was over at uh, uh, at my uh, my wife's brother's and his wife's place for Thanksgiving. We were over there, and we're watching some football. And I, this the World Cup thing is happening right now. Now I know it's big, and I, I, throughout the world, people love soccer, or as they call it, football. They love it. They just, they, I mean, they go crazy over this game, and. I look, I'm not knocking it as far as the skill of the players, the athleticism, the 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 the, the endurance that these players have to be have to be able to run around and kick or headbutt a ball for you know 90 minutes or whatever. Sometimes getting close to kicking the ball into the goal and maybe maybe once in a while actually getting the ball in the goal. Which, which is why that guy who calls games, you know, he's, uh, I don't know, does it in Spanish or something, I think? He says goal when they score, but he says goal and it lasts like 20 minutes. He says goal and he just holds it and just keeps, you know, just keeps saying it. They, they have an ad where they've got, you know, for the, for the World Cup, you know, everybody's excited about the World Cup except Americans, although some of them are. <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty of them are, but not me. I, I hope I hope the American team that's in there does well. I hope so. I hope people are entertained by it. But I'm not watching. I. Uh, but okay, so they got this. They got a commercial where everybody's doing the goal thing, and it just goes. It's 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 a three hour long commercial where they just say goal, and that's because goals are so rare in soccer. No wonder they get so excited. Hey, look, the ball actually went into the goal. Wow. They get excited when it gets near the goal. Now, I understand that in hockey. But there's a lot more scoring in hockey than there is in, in soccer. I just, I, I, you know, the Simpsons said it best. When they had an episode where, where Springfield was getting their professional soccer team and everybody in Springfield is excited, excited, excited about, oh, this is going to be great. They get there, this is the day of the first game and they're filling the stands and they're shouting and cheering and shouting and screaming and waving their flags and they're all excited, super excited. The game starts and it's just guys kicking the ball back and forth to each other and the crowd quiets down and Homer ch chimes in, Boring! I think that sells it. That says it, doesn't it? I, I, it does for me. If it doesn't for you, you're not wrong. You know, you, you like the game, like it. I just, I just, I, I don't. And my son tries to get me by baseball being boring. And I looked at him. I said, "There are no tie games in baseball." 
There are none. Oh, sure, there was that all-star game thing, but that doesn't count. They're, they're not. They play till there's a winner. And if they, if they have to call a game, they'll pick it up the next day. They'll finish a game later. There might be, there might have been occasions where the game gets postponed because of like weather or something, but it didn't get, it didn't go the full five innings. If it doesn't go the full five innings, if it doesn't go five innings, I shouldn't say full five innings. If it doesn't go five innings, they they will say, okay, we can either pick up the game where it, where it left off, depending on how soon it got called off. Uh, they they might just start, you know, do a whole new game, or they might not even play it if it doesn't factor in to you know either teams uh making the postseason but this that's exceedingly rare if the game goes five innings and one team's leading but the weather calls it then they just call that a game because it went at least the five innings but okay you know but you don't you don't have a tie in baseball there's crying in baseball but there's no tying in baseball Especially not a 0-0 tie. Wow. That's exciting because I guess in the World Cup that means you're still alive. You get to continue to play in the next round. Right? I, I don't know. Oh, uh, this made me feel old. <laughs> This is a quickie. This made me feel old. What time is it? Um, I was watching something about uh, on YouTube. Somebody put together a little mini documentary about the James Bond films, and uh, uh, mentioned that uh, you know, Roger Moore, uh, up until Daniel Craig, he had the longest. Roger Moore had the longest uh, uh, um, stint as being uh, uh, 007. Uh, I think he was in more films than Daniel Craig's been in, but Daniel Craig's been there, you know, been Ben Bond for like 15 years, where I think uh, uh, Roger Moore was like 12 years. But okay, so when Roger Moore started playing Bond, he was 46 ish. He was 40. He was 58 when he did his last Bond. Remember how old he was? He was 58. Oh, man, he's too old. He's too old to be Bond. He's so old. Oh, he's 58. He's so old. <clears throat> how old is your humble host of this show? How old am I? I'm 58. I'll be back after this break. To Z Talk Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to ztalkradio.com. He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim, and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. Carbon monoxide is a colorless, odorless gas that can be fatal. Don't use anything indoors that burns fuel, such as gasoline-powered generators, camp stoves and lanterns, or charcoal grills. Opening doors and windows or using fans isn't enough. 
Have your vents and chimneys checked to make sure water heater and gas furnace exhausts aren't blocked. If you feel sick, dizzy, or weak while using a generator, get to fresh air right away. From the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. But we give those other guys the finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I didn't uh, do the proper sign-off uh, from that or lead into the to that second break. Sorry, but I just felt it would be cool just to just start playing the song and then say I'd be back. <coughs> All right, sue me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't have to do everything exactly the same. You know, I, I don't have OCD, at least I don't think I do. Um, at least I've never been diagnosed with it. So I, you know, I, I, I can, I can, uh, anyway. <clears throat> so that song there uh, was, it's called I Lie. It's by the band The DBs, and it's a great song. And as long as I'm going to talk about lying, <clears throat> let's bring up Fearless Loser. <laughs> I, I, yeah, he's, he's thrown his ring into the hat, uh, his hat into the ring again. He's thrown his ring into the hat again. He's gonna. He's gonna. You know, he wants to run for president, and he doesn't want to get prosecuted for you know attempting a coup, for stealing classified documents, for you know, uh, you know, the, whatever's going on in New York with the uh, his business practices, uh, uh, and uh, you know, accused being accused of rape, and you know, when you're a star, they let you do it. You know, remember when you're a star, they let you do it. He, he, the the ugliness he brought out in all of us, the anger he brought out in all of us, the division he brought out in this country to, you know, it, it, it's just, ugh, yeah, the stain that man has left on this country, it's going to last a long ass time. Now, I don't think he's going to get the nomination, but then <laughs> we thought the same thing in 2015, didn't we? And look where that got us. I mean, it's crazy. I think I've said this before. It's just like, how how does he become president? He got three million less votes than Hillary Clinton, who's not the perfect candidate, who's not a saint. But he got three million votes less than she did. And yet, because of this stupid electoral college thing, he becomes president. I mean, we don't have electoral colleges in each of our states. We, we, we select our, we elect our executive officer for, of our state, our governors, by majority vote. Whoever gets the most votes wins. Why isn't it that way? Well, I don't know. Anyway. It may be higher than my pay grade to figure out whether the electoral colleges make sense or doesn't, but it doesn't, it, to me, it doesn't make sense. And we, it stuck us with people that didn't get enough votes popular votes, and yet still managed to win. I mean, it's one thing in 2000, George W. Bush, I mean, he won Florida by, I don't know, hardly any votes, but that was enough to tip it over. And he, he, he didn't win the popular vote. 
You got less, you got like, I don't know, 500,000 votes or something like that, but 3 million? And then the next one, 7 million votes? And this asswipe is saying that it was stolen from him? God, he's just... Ugh. And it, and I say the ugliness. I didn't like... I mean, working here at the comic book store. You know, most of the people who work here, we're like-minded as far as, far as not thinking that uh, President Trump has sunshine coming out of his ass. We think he was is a stain on the country. We think it was a huge mistake to elect him. But, uh, okay, we got through that. Let's try to, you know, make him pay for the crimes he's done. I mean, he attempted a coup. I just need to find 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have. No, Mr. President, that's 11,780 vote, more votes than you have. I mean... How, it's it's his voice. It's him saying it. Anyway, but he's here at the store. There's a, there's one fellow that does a little stuff for us, and he's a Trump guy. And I found that out. he's very nice. He's he seems like a very sweet guy, and he, even the, the boss here says, yeah, he's really sweet and all that. But he's just you know he's a Trump guy for whatever reason. He's that, and. I, I, I found myself being a little jerky toward him, and I didn't like it. <laughs> uh, if he comes in today, I'll, I'll say, "Look, I'm sorry. Um, you know, I don't mean to be a jerk to you. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna table that. I'm gonna put that away and not do that anymore." But I mean, the last time, you know, he was here last time, and I just, you know, we, we, we came up that 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 fearless loser decided to run for president again, and I said, "Yep, he's just not. A, he's just. Uh, he's not." had enough losing yet so much losing he's such a loser he's just just so much losing and i was kind of targeting the one fellow who was here and trump guy because you know we're gonna get tired of all that winning so much winning remember when loser said that but he just he just loses he loses and loses and loses so i didn't like it uh how he felt after that and i didn't get a chance to to apologize to the guy. He said, look, I don't want to be a jerk to you. You're a nice guy. But there is one thing that he said to me, and I don't know if I brought this up on the show, but he did say this to me. He did say a couple weeks back that, uh, you know, on January 6th, he was kind of hoping that uh, Nancy, the crowd would have got a hold of Nancy Pelosi. And I looked at him and I said, to do what? I mean, seriously, what did you want them to do to her? And he's just going, I don't know. And I think I said, what the hell's wrong with you? And that's not to say that I think that Nancy Pelosi is a saint as well. I don't think she's perfect. But I wouldn't want them getting a hold of Mike Pence and bringing him out and hanging them either. I didn't agree with Mike Pence's politics, his social ideas. I don't agree with him. But I don't want to see him getting hanged. I don't want to even see Fearless Loser get, you know... I, what I do want to see is nature take its course. I want him to be at one of his rallies and have a massive stroke in front of everybody. I know it's a terrible thing, but just, just, you know, just, no, down he goes. I know it's, I know it's a bad, that's terrible. And I feel, and I do feel kind of bad about it because he's a human being, I guess. Uh, I mean, he doesn't show up at any of the reptilian meetings. So, you know, I'm pretty sure he's, he's human. But, ugh, it's just the ugliness. And this, and I bring this up because I saw this, 
it's a it's a I'm I'm gonna say it in a more harsher term. It's a what the fuck is this picture? <laughs> what what gives with these people? What is this? Explain this to me. How is this possible? How does this happen? Rich people. Am I right? <laughs> it's how 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 do you how do you do this? I don't know. It's okay. What am I talking about? Well, fearless loser. One of his daughters got married recently. Tiffany. She got married, and there's a picture of 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 Tiffany flanked by uh, by Trump women, right? Um, there's Laura Trump, who's married to Eric. She doesn't really factor into this little scenario here. But then there's Marla Maples, who is the mother of Tiffany. She's also the second wife of Fearless Loser. All right, And then on the other side of Tiffany is Melania Trump, who's the current, so far, wife of Fearless Loser. She's the third wife of his. Still is his wife. And next to her is is Ivanka Trump, who's the half-sister of, of Tiffany. It's just... And so somebody on, on Twitter or Facebook or whatever was able to point this out. I mean, I, 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 I say, you know, that this is the party of family values, traditional family values. They're the ones that are all upset now with trans people and, and, and you know, the, the queer community, which, you know, we had that shooting take place at Club Q in which uh, the shooter was stopped by people who were unarmed, by the way. This, this good guy with a gun thing didn't work there. It was somebody with some military training and another person who was there performing. They jumped the guy and stopped him and left him alive. So maybe we'll find out his motivation. So I, but there's a certain, you know, I, I, I'm not, I, I don't know if this is directly feeds into it, but this, this, this othering of the queer community and especially trans people, this othering of them and, 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 and calling them groomers, it's like they're all pedophiles. You're all pedophiles. Really? It's, it's just, it's horrible. You know, you're, you're, you're pushing lying about these people. You know, if only you'd had such, if you were a little more convicted uh, about the Catholic Church, which had, you know, we have evidence that has a lot more groomers going on there. Maybe you should have, you know, these these people should should have turned their 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 uh, uh, their anger, you know, and their concern of children, a little more intensely toward maybe the Catholic Church, seeing as how, you know, there's a lot more, you know, documented going on there. Trans people are, you know, they're just, you know, it's it's not, it's just not. This is not. That's not what. It is to be trans, to be queer, to be gay, to be lesbian, to be bisexual, to be questioning, to be non-binary, to be... It isn't grooming kids, but that's what... That's the rhetoric that goes around. And that... That couldn't have been helpful, what, what, what happened there. I'm not saying it's directly responsible for what that guy did, what that person did. I don't know how they identify. There's talk about them being non-binary. I don't... I don't know. But he's... The person's alive. I'll say they are alive. I won't say he because I don't know. They're alive. 
and maybe we'll learn some about that motivation. What went into it? We'll find out. But this picture, <laughs> the, the turn back onto the track, this picture shows, the, the, the people I just mentioned showed it, somebody sussed this out. And, and put it succinctly, and I'll I'm gonna I'm gonna read what they wrote, but just drop in, you know, just because this is not a visual medium. Just I'll put the picture on the show notes page. Just go to dimland.com, click on the show notes uh, option, and you'll and you'll see. It's it, the person wrote. <clears throat> I wrote it down. Let's see if I can read it. Writes uh, traditional family values, standing between your mom. That's Marla Maples. They're talking about, uh, this is from Tiffany's perspective. Tiffany is standing in the middle of these, in this group of five people. She's standing in the middle. Okay, standing between your mom, Marla Maples, and the chick, uh, Melania Trump, your dad, fearless loser, cheated on with your mom, uh, that's Marla Maples, who is standing next to your half-sister, that's Ivanka Trump, Whose mom, that's Ivana Trump, she's not pictured in there because, well, she died. Your dad, fearless loser, cheated on with your mom, Marla Maples. I know it's 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 twisted. So you got Tiffany, she's next to her mom. She's also next to the woman that her dad had an affair, you know, cheated on her mom with. And then later divorced her mom and married her, the the, the you know, Melania. And then Next to Melania is the half sister that that uh, that Trump, you know, that fearless loser, uh, sired with Ivana Trump. That was her name, right? Uh, the first wife, who he cheated on Ivana with Tiffany's mom, Marla Maples. It's just when you're a star, they let you do it. They're all the I I that that yeah the conversation at that table. What must it have been like? <laughs> uh, there's a documentary. Uh, George Robb mentioned it on on his uh, recent podcast, uh, uh, geologic podcast. He, he said it's called uh, uh, God forbid, and there's more of a subtitle thing to it. And it's about um, Jerry Falwell Jr. and his wife Becky and the uh, three way relationship they had with this pool boy and and this connections that you know, they, 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 they run Liberty University which Jerry Falwell Jr.'s father started and it's all about this you know evangelical Christian stuff and and the hypocrisy that they have not and and as Geo said not kink shaming if that's what you're into you're you know if you're you're consenting adults and everybody's on board, and you know Jerry likes to watch his wife have sex with a young guy. Gets off on that. That's fine as long as everybody's okay with it. I don't care. But it's 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 like we have a, set, a certain set of rules for our students at this college that this kind of thing would not happen. But we don't have to follow those rules because we're special. And you know the the hypocrisy is 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 thick in this and then the king making aspect of it because it was jerry falwell jr who his his endorsement of fearless loser was what 
turn the evangelicals around, who I hear now are beginning to turn away from this from from loser. They're beginning to turn away from. But at the time, they all turned to they like eighty one percent of evangelicals, I guess white evangelicals, voted for Trump in 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 twenty sixteen. Something like eighty one percent, according to this documentary. It's just it's in it's. So you, you watch it, and and it, it's 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 an interesting thing that how politics works and religion getting involved, and how abortion, how it took a while for abortion to become an evangelical cause. You know, uh, they said that Jerry Falwell Jr., who a senior, who led the way against the abortionists and all that kind of stuff, he didn't start talking about abortion until five years after Roe v. Wade, after that decision. It was five years later he starts talking about abortion. Because they found an issue that they that would work, that would work with the evangelicals with their sheep, and to get them to, to lead them, uh, you know, where they wanted them to go politically. Uh, at, at least that's what the documentary tries to you know establish. So anyway, but again, I, I, I'm not kink shaming either. It's between consenting adults what they do. In fact, it reminds me. <clears throat> It's an interesting documentary if you want to look at. It. It's on Hulu, so if you got the Hulu thing, you can you find it on there. Uh, it just just reminds me of uh, uh, my, my friend John from back in my school days, you know, junior high, high school, and and after you know my art school days, we used to hang out with each other all the time. You know, especially after we graduated high school, we hang out with each other a lot. And we used to, you know, there was a bar that we would hang at, and you know, do our on our drinking nights back in the day. And uh, we're a couple of uh, uh, fellows that are not—we're not lady killers. <laughs> we're not—we're not playboys. We're—we're—we're we're, not—we're not players. Yeah, we just keep women sort of like you know. Okay, you're over there. You know, we're over here. <laughs> we're kind of like that. I—I I, I was lucky to meet Amy. I, I was because I—if I hadn't met Amy, I have a feeling I'd still be single. But anyway, however, <clears throat> however that works out. One night. John and I were sitting at the bar, and we're just, you know, we're watching the game on TV, or we're just, you know, bullshitting with each other, and we, uh, the bartender comes over and sets up two, either sets up two beers in front of us, or two upside-down glasses. See, that's code. When you get an upside, if you've got a full beer in front of you, and the, the bartender comes over and puts an uh, upside-down glass in front of you, that means somebody bought you a beer. Yeah, but you're just not ready for it yet. So they put the empty glass uh, upside down in front of you, so that you know when you're ready, you just say, oh, you know, you just let them know because you still got a full beer sitting in front of you. They don't want it, you know, getting warm, <laughs> you know, all that kind of thing. So that's kind of code. And so, so whichever happened, either the beers came up or the, the empty glasses came up, then we went, well, what's this? You know, there wasn't too many people in the bar at that point. What's this? And the bartender says, well, the, those two down there, they 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 bought you a beer. Oh. So we look, and they, they look at us, and it's a man and a woman. They're middle-aged. And they, they look at us and smile, and they nod, and they say, well, well, thank you. Thanks. That's great. We're the wrong guys. <laughs> so we start, we start speculating. Why would, they have, why would they have bought us a beer? We're just sitting, we don't mind even talking to them. We're, not even, we're just down at the other end. They're there. We're over here. We're not, why would they buy us a beer? And we thought, oh, oh, maybe... Maybe they're, you know, that couple that where the husband likes to watch his wife have sex with other guys while he hides in, you know, 
hides in the closet. Maybe that's what's going on. And my friend John, <laughs> friend, you know, we and we both John and I said, well, that wouldn't work. And the bartender said, well, why not? And John says, yeah, well, that wouldn't work because uh, if it was us, there'd be three of us in the closet, and she'd be by herself. Good night, Herr Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. So, now I'm not saying the three of us would be involved with each other in the closet. We'd be wanting to watch her have sex with somebody. <laughs> not us. See, that's what I'm saying. Anyway, be skeptical and, you know, whatever. Uh, this has been Dimline Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, reminding you all to sleep the lights off. I mean, we just, we just aren't those guys. You can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks, Thanks for, for tuning us in. Bonjour, Monsieur Dim. You are too clever for us naughty people. Well, well I'm going to hell. hell.